Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There's a passage that I want to look at with you this morning from the second epistle of Paul to Timothy. I want to read verses 16 through 18 of chapter 4 and trust that you will, as you have opportunity, read the entire chapter. I will be reading from the New International Version. It reads, At my first defense... No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. You want to underline that. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. As I look at this passage with you, The thought that I want to present today for us to gather our reflections around is the exceptional exception. The second letter to Timothy is perhaps the most personable, the most relational of Paul's letters in the New Testament. In this particular epistle, he is not missing words. He is not wasting time. When he writes to his son in the ministry, Timothy, trial and execution are looming like dark clouds before him. And these words are significant. They're kind of like a last will and testament. Often when I think about Paul at this point in his ministry, at this point in his journey, and these words in particular... I believe they are the moving meditations of a mature minister. They're the wonderful witness of a wise yet weary warrior. They're the solemn sentiments of a seasoned saint. They're the affirming acknowledgement and affections of an aged apostle. And they are the courageous confessions of a compelling communicator. All in this book, this second letter to Timothy. But in chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, there are a series of personal references 
that are so authentic that any, and there is discussion and debate about uh, whether 2 Timothy is a collection of fragments of Paul's writing, but the personal nature of the references that occur in the passage we've read and its larger context, for me, dispel any contention that this book is not authentically authored by Paul. No subsequent editor, I believe, or ghostwriter would have thought information like bringing the cloak or my coat or parchments and book. No one would have thought those types of acknowledgments of data would have been valuable or vital enough to place in the epistle because they kind of move against the thrust and theme of what he's been doing up to this point. I must admit that I have been guilty when reading this epistle of reaching a similar conclusion regarding these scattered, somewhat disjointed relational citations. But my perceptions and perspective has changed, my brothers and sisters, because in verse 17, and I read it again, but the Lord stood at my side. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. You know, it just, in a recent reading, it just jumped off the page. But the Lord, because it introduces what expositors call an adversarial or an adversative conjunction. A conjunction that is in contrast, in contradiction, in juxtaposition of what has been said before. He says, at my first defense, all men forsook me, but the Lord, <laughs> but the Lord stood. When I think about my walk with him, I get excited about those places where life would have put a period. But God put a conjunction. The experience in this text for the Apostle Paul reflects his estrangement from those whom he loved and supported in ministry. This is the background. This is the context for the words in the text. But what it also communicates is Paul's acknowledgement that when everybody else fails us, when life fails us and we're left alone, there is the exceptional exception. You may be that person who feel like everything is going wrong, that you have no one to turn to, but there is the exceptional Exception. I want to make sure that uh, my phraseology was consistent and correct. The dictionary defines exception as an unusual instance, a case that does not follow the general rule. On the other hand, exceptional is defined as out of the ordinary unusual. So when I saw it in the text, I ask the text the question, what makes the Lord God the exceptional exception? Paul said, at my first defense, all men for
forsook me and fled, but God stood with me and strengthened me. He says essentially he's the exceptional exception. I said, Paul, help me with this. Text, help me with this. What makes him the exceptional exception? And when I asked the text that question, three things emerged. They're all in the text. What makes him the exceptional exception? First of all, Paul would say he was the exceptional exception because God stayed with him. It's nothing, I mean, it's not complicated. It's in the text. He said God stayed with him. Our text occurs amidst a number of desertions, departures, defections, and disappointments in Paul's personal circle. Paul has already alluded to this painful reality in chapter 1, verse 15. If you read it in the epistle, he says, as you know, as if Timothy already is aware of this, as you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. In his exposition on this text, Warren Wiersbe estimates that there are in the book of Acts and its epistles, when you look at them collectively, some 100 different men and women who were a part of Paul's circle of friends and co-laborers. In his excellent book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, David Jeremiah identifies loneliness as one of the giants which we must contend with in our spiritual journey. And I love what David Jeremiah says about this particular passage in 2 Timothy. He says of Paul, he was the human author of the New Testament the founder of countless missionary churches and the mind behind the book of Romans, the greatest treatise on theology ever conceived. Paul went everywhere, spoke multiple languages, knew everyone, and he experienced deep loneliness. At the end of his life, crowned by staggering achievements, he describes the grief of his own solitude. That's what we're having here in this text is Paul is describing and leaders have experienced that. Parents experience it. Couples sometimes experience it. He's describing the grief of the solitude. You can be in a room full of folk and be all by yourself. And it's against this loss and this lapse that he affirms the exceptional exception but the Lord but the Lord. Sometimes we confuse friends with associates. When the going gets tough and when you're down, you'll find out who your friends are. And everybody that say they're your friend, everybody call you three or four times a day, text you or whatever is not your friend. There's friend in little case, and there's friend in all caps. And if you don't learn the difference, you're setting yourself up for some disappointment. Some of us confuse confidants with allies. There's a difference between a confidant and an ally. People that don't like each other can ally to do something together. But you can't tell everybody your business. Everybody your friend you say is not your friend. 
When he needed support and encouragement the most, Paul discovered that some relationships he had developed were shallow and superficial. And it's a riveting verse in Mark's gospel where Jesus at his trial finds himself in a similar situation. You think about all the lives Jesus touches, all the disciples, those who gathered to hear him preach the Sermon on the Mount. In Mark 14 and 15, the Bible said, and they all forsook him and fled. So in the first instance, He's the exceptional exception because God stayed with him. In the second instance, when I asked the text the question, why is he the exceptional exception? The second point is God stood with him. The second thing in the text is God stood with him. The word translated stood in the original is used in a different place in Romans 16 and 2. To describe the ministry of Phoebe, one of the women involved in servant ministry in the early church, Paul commended her to the church there because he said she stood with us. But when he says this, he doesn't just mean stood just being present. He means she stood to help. So when Paul said the Lord stood with him, he didn't mean the Lord was just some kind of ephemeral, ontological presence. He mean that the Lord's presence was tangible and concrete. That he could feel the help. He could feel the strength. So when Paul stood before the Roman tribunal for the first time in his preliminary hearing, Read it in the text. It said all of them forsook me. Even his longtime ministerial associate who, who was with him through Acts. Dr. Luke isn't there. I love the way Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrases this. He says, at my preliminary hearing, no one stood by me. They all ran like scared rabbits. But it doesn't matter because the master... The master stood with me. He's an exceptional exception. You may feel all by yourself today. You may feel as if you're carrying that weight by yourself today. But I'm here to tell you that he's close. He stands with us. When friends leave us. When we can't call mama or daddy. When the lights are cut off, when the body is wrapped with pain, when we have to say goodbye to someone we love, I'm here to tell you, he stands. So in the second instance, he's the exceptional exception, not just because God stayed with him, but because God stood with him. In the third instance in the text, he's the exceptional exception because God strived with him. He stayed with him. He stood with him. And in the final movements of verses 17 and 18, we find God working with, striving with him. Paul's mission was not stymied, stalled, or stopped. 
because of his imprisonment, because of the defections and the desertions and the disappointments in his personal relationships. But what we find in this text is that even in prison, as he's facing trial and execution, God is working with him. I love the ending of Mark where it says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. This is how the gospel of Mark ends. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. When you know the exceptional exception, no matter what painful circumstances you find yourself in, God will take care. Paul's painful circumstances became the prison, the prison through which God's work took place. He sat through my preaching even while he's in these difficult circumstances. He said the kingdom of God is advancing. And he said to Timothy so much don't worry about me because everything is going to be alright. When you have a God that will stay with you and the God who will stand with you and the God who will strive with you. Child of God, you don't have to worry about what tomorrow will bring. You see, when it comes to the very nitty-gritty of it, all it means is when you're in the will of God, he will take care of you. You know, I don't know why this week, but I've been listening to it over and over again, perhaps because the Lord knew I needed it in my spirit to preach this message. Karen Clark Sherrod has a song that says the safest place to be is in the will of the Lord. I love it when she said the safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. Trials come great and small, just stay in the will of God. Come what may, from day to day, keep the faith and be still. Yes, sir. Good God Almighty! It remains to be seen what God can do for the one who submits to his will. The safest place to be today is in the will of God. It could be a hospital room, but the safest place to be today is in the will of God. Do I have a witness? Because when you are in his will, he'll stay with you. He'll stand with you. He'll strive with you. Do I have a witness here? You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love 
by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.